0: You're listening to the Candid Comms Podcast with Rachel Miller. Join me every week for practical advice and inspirational ideas to help you focus on all things internal communication related. Hello and welcome to the show. On today's episode, I am joined by a very special guest who's here to help us delve into the world of manufacturing environments and what it's like to communicate in that sort of environment. So welcome to the show, Alexandra. Thank you very much, Rachel. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Could you introduce yourself and tell us where you work and how long you've been working in internal comms for? So hi everyone, my name is Alexandra Putlakyanou. I work for
1: Garden Industries, which is a which is a manufacturing company with operations in the glass industry and the automotive sector. And I've been working in internal communication since 2010. So that's wow.
0: That's 12 years? Yeah, it's 12 years. Yeah, has <laughs> it has it flown by? <laughs> Indeed they have Marvellous, thank you. And Alexandra, I've invited you on because I've had the pleasure of working with you over the years, since 2016 in particular. And in the wonderful world of internal communication, we always come up against different conundrums and we find ourselves in different situations in different organisations where perhaps we have hard to reach employees or we are communicating in multiple languages and i know from the work that i've seen you do and i've had the pleasure of advising you on that you face multiple challenges with your wonderful workforce so i would love to know from your perspective what is it like to lead internal communication in a manufacturing environment
1: i think working in internal communication in any environment is exciting right there is a lot of trust put upon us and and we have a huge responsibility but but when i think and you know, at manufacturing, it's exciting because our audience doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit in one box. It's it's not a standard approach that we can employ and we can just say, "Hey, I'm going to do ABC and it's going to work and everything is going to be perfect." Uh, probably it's not like that in any environment, but even more so in in manufacturing. So as as I said when I introduced myself, we are a company with 14,000 employees, and we serve to Slightly different industries, I would say, glass and automotive, uh, and we have both office-based employees, right? And and they are email connected, because I don't want to say that they're connected because our shop floor employees they are connected as well, just not just not through email. It does just the fact that they don't have a corporate email address, it doesn't make them less connected to the day-to-day and to the business. So we have office-based email-connected employees. And the advantage with them and for or for them is that they can proactively go on our internal platform, which is called the hub, and search for information themselves. And, and that's quite privileged, in my opinion, having that freedom to just go somewhere like you go on Google and you look for the information that, that you need. And then our shop floor employees, they don't have an email address or they do not depend on one for their day-to-day work. And most of the time, right, they rely on their supervisor, they rely on plant leadership, plant meetings, notice, notice boards, etc., to learn what is happening in the company. And as you mentioned, right, we have colleagues also speaking multiple languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, most of them, they speak good to to great English, but that's not a certainty. So how do we ensure that we have that shared understanding when we talk about something? So that's another challenge. Then you have a truly global footprint that adds to the mix of challenges, right? Because we go from from United States to Mexico to Brazil, then you go Europe, Russia, Africa, Middle East, India, all the way to to Thailand, to Australia, China, Japan. While we have one organizational culture, we also have different cultures and different ways in in which people
0: interact. And that's huge isn't it that's absolutely enormous it's not i mean there's never a one size fits all approach to internal communication but my goodness all those multiple markets and multiple languages and time zones and never a dull moment i think it's probably fair to say within the world of internal comms when you're operating in in that sort of environment when you're a truly global and diverse uh, organization with all of those cultures and all of those different needs i guess in terms of from an internal comms perspective it's it's not going to be a one size fits all
1: and the thing is, right, as you just said, they have various needs or various challenges. And, and what we need to do is to experiment, right, with different approaches and try to create tactics. Because if not all that, all the type of contents we produce in, you know, and share with them, if not all of them work, maybe at least one or two or three is going to be helpful for them mm-hmm. and it's going to help them in their daily work. So you know, hopefully, what we're doing is helping them stay informed and and do better their roles.
0: I love the fact you snuck a little bit about the purpose of internal comms in your answer about having a shared meaning and you know, that shared understanding and shared meaning. Which listeners of this podcast will know, I talk a lot about the purpose of internal communication isn't telling people what to do; it's to create a shared understanding and a shared meaning, and that's that certainly drives you know how I work and I'm looking for opportunities to given everything we know about our workforce, given all the differences and, and given all the similarities, how do you create a shared understanding and meaning with taking in all of that into account?
1: I want to add something else here that, that I think it's important, right? Something that I really wanna say is that we do not want to create content or communication tactics that are not helpful for our colleagues, right? We don't believe in communication for the sake of communication. We don't believe that more is better. And we constantly, as a team, we challenge ourselves, right? And we ask ourselves, is this piece of content helpful for our audience in their specific roles, in advancing the company vision, in understanding the business priorities, and aligning their work to our vision and to the business priorities? Because if internal communication does not help the business achieve its purpose, then what are we doing here? I hear you.
0: Absolutely. I'm I'm silently cheering here. We can see each other on on video. Yes. I want to raise my arms and go, yes, totally that. You're right. More is not more in the world of internal communication. You're absolutely right. How important is that for you in terms of being being aware of, we talk a lot in internal comms about the noise and, and being aware of Having you know, helicopter view to use Bill, I'll, I'll include this in the show notes, Bill, Bill Quirk's work from his book, Making the Connections, we're having that overarching view of how the company is communicating and being mindful of the noise and being mindful of all the conversations and connections and things that are going on. So I love the fact you said that you and your team challenge yourselves to keep an eye on that and be aware of that and be mindful of how noisy it is in the organisation. What impact does that have if you can be aware of the noise that's going on, what, what difference does that make? I think for us it helps us
1: push back a little bit when people come with various requests. And the first question is, how is this request aligned? Right? What business priority does this support? How is this aligned with our vision? How is this help advance our vision? And that helps a lot people prioritize what they want to do or what they want to ask from us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's helpful for us to to be realistic about the impact that we're having. You know, for for the business, but it also helps others ask themselves: Am I really acting in support of the vision, or I'm just creating more work for myself or for and for others? And I think that helps. You know, sometimes we 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 uh, we get re- endorsement requests, right? Hey, I want to do a little endorsement. And but what I'm trying to say here is that asking people how is this request aligned to our vision and business priorities is just stops us from working on on a
0: request that's not going to bring value. I think that's a constant challenge, isn't it, for internal communicators is how do we push back and say no. And for me, you're talking my language in terms of you know the the lens that we're looking through is is what we're trying to do, creating that shared understanding and shared meaning to help people align themselves to the company's purpose, goals, mission. And if it's not, you're not going to get as big a space on the internet or as big a response from the corporate communication team, because actually what we're here to do is to join the dots between the work that's being done and the business priorities. So I think you're absolutely spot on. I think the closer we can be in terms of how we intake work and how we are challenging and how we are guiding she says nicely (laughs) how we're guiding stakeholders to help them understand that it's you know a project that's important to them that actually is only applicable to one region one country one team is not going to get a lot of airtime across our channels because we're not here to serve the vanity projects we're here to help people join the dots in terms of how their work is impacting us as an organization overall so I think you're right. The closer you are to knowing the business priorities, the better informed we can be as internal communicators, the more confident we can be in pushing back because we're able to explain. I'm saying no because it doesn't align with the vision. I'm saying, and gosh, that's hard. When you first start doing that, that feels really difficult, but it definitely gets easier over time. No, but also, you know, when when you explain why you're saying no,
1: mm. people understand They may not like it, though, (laughs) but they understand.
0: Exactly. They may not like it, but they understand. And and that's the beauty of it, right? Absolutely. So that's a challenge that lots of people encounter in in the world of internal comms. Let me ask you about key challenges for you. What have you encountered and and what have you overcome through your work? So um,
1: something that I I really want to make clear, I guess, it's overcome is a really big word, Mm -hmm. right? while we've made significant improvements i think each challenge we take and each t- challenge we have takes us on a journey of experimentation and measurement right you get a challenge you experiment then you you measure and you look at the metrics you set for yourself and then that knowledge inspires more experimentation and and so on it's it's almost like like going in 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 circles, but in a positive way, mm-hmm. I, I would say, and definitely a journey. Definitely a journey. Every everything we're doing, because it it never experimentation and measurement should never stop in any function and in any organization. So, considering the fact that I'm referring to this to this journey, I think I want to talk about how we're we're reaching colleagues on the shop floor in a meaningful and in a helpful way. And we do this in in several ways, right? So first of all, it's through supervisors, because in our company, in our culture, the supervisor plays a very important role. So if someone in our company has direct reports, regardless of their their title or their position in the company, they are a supervisor and they are responsible for for helping each and every employee in their team understand and apply market-based management, which, which is our culture leverage their gifts, and continually grow, develop, and and self-actualize. And no matter how well our our companies or colleagues have been performing, we
0: all must continually improve. We, We must grow, right? And these are phrases you use a lot, aren't they? So self actualization and these are phrases that we normally try and avoid in the world of internal comms, but from the work that, that we've done together, I know that's so inbuilt into your culture and it's just part and parcel of the way that you talk as an organisation because people understand what it means. You spend time helping them understand what all of these key phrases are. So I just want to – apologise for interrupting you – I just wanted to pick up on that because – to me, looking from the outside in, you've spent so much time helping people understand and explaining what these things are, that when you talk about it, people understand what they are. And that's tough. And that takes hard work. It takes hard graph. There's a lot there to be proud of from the work that you've done. So apologies, I interrupted you. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. No, but um, it, it's true, right? Because this is all
1: connected to our culture. And what we want is people to understand our culture. Once they understand and apply, it's just easier for everyone. Right. We're all aligned. We're all one team on the field going in the same direction, hopefully. But going back to the to the responsibilities of each supervisor and why they have such an important role in internal communication as well. And there's something that you used to say, right, uh, when we were meeting, how how communication or internal communication is not just the job of corporate communication
0: or the business of corporate communication. It's everyone's. I do say that. I say internal communication is too important. To be left down to one team, one department, or one person, it's everyone's responsibility. I see you say that a lot. I believe that. I I can't stress that enough. Exactly. So in, in our case, right, supervisors, they need to ensure that their
1: teams are connected to our transformative business vision and that each of their direct report is continually learning, improving, and is connected to how their efforts, right, how their everyday work how their everyday contribution affects the results of our company and how we create value for our constituency. And, and, you know, we we recently had um, our kickoff meeting and one of our executive vice presidents, he really talked about how, you know, if the resources we use don't create value for our constituency, then those resources should be used in a different way, Mm -hmm. Right or by someone else, being mindful of the way we're using resources. And and we have this in in our culture, right? Using the the least possible resources when you work on a project, how how do you do that? Because you want to make sure that that we're not wasting. Mm -hmm. So it's important that our supervisor connect their team members with how their contribution is creating value for the company so we try to create helpful internal communications for supervisors right we we do business updates but with some of the business updates we create discussion guides that can be accessed by supervisors or they can be accessed including by their their direct reports and these guides they have thought provoking questions that help them connect hey connect that update or that specific thing that is happening in the company with the vision with the culture with our guiding principles we try when we announce something or when when there is a new transformation we try to to provide them with talking points and frequently asked questions and communication workshops where we talk hey this is what's going to happen Let's prepare you a little bit. You know, these are the resources that are available for you to go and speak with your team about this specific project and so on. Uh, Because we believe that mass communication can only be so effective. It creates awareness, right? We put something on, on our internal platform on the hub, but if people might see it, might read it, or they might not. And to reach understanding, so I understand, I get what is happening, to reach belief I believe in this, I, I buy it. And to reach commitment, I really want to make it happen. I'm emotionally attached to this project. I want to see it succeed. We need supervisors to, to have these meaningful conversations with their team members. We need them to gu- uh, supervisors to guide their team members through change, to answer their questions, to, to offer support, because at the end of the day, we want to create ownership of the outcome. We want our employees to give us feedback. We want them to, to ask questions, to share the knowledge that they have, you know, to share it with, with other people. We want more experimentation. We want, we want more innovation. And that happens when people are committed to the outcome. They wanna make it happen. And an update on an internal communication platform is not going to get us there. It's going to create awareness, but it's not going to get us to commitment. So that's why supervisors are so, so one of the reasons why supervisors are so important and, and internal communication, our function, engaging with them and trying to help them be prepared for such conversations
0: is so important. So that's uh, that's the first way. So just to pick up what, what you said there about the you know, moving from awareness to the belief and the commitment, I think that's so important because very often, you know, if you just have something on an Internet, something goes on the hub, like it's it's not enough it's just not enough. I think I can hear the passion in that as you're talking about how important your supervisors are and how critical it is that you move beyond just awareness. Awareness is such a, it's the first step or it's just not enough. It doesn't go deep enough. So it's really lovely to hear you describe that in very practical terms, in terms of there's a logic there, you know, there's a robustness, there's a rigor there, that if we apply this thinking into our work, then we're going to move employees in the right direction. We can create excitement. We can create, you know, a deeper understanding of something, a deeper knowledge of something, hopefully, a deeper commitment and belief. I love that. I love how you describe that that mindset and ethos behind how you're working. Thank you. So the the, the second way we're trying to
1: to tackle the the challenge is through. A knowledge network we we created for for our internal platform for the hub. So it's called the the hub knowledge network, and and we have hub ambassadors, right? Mm-hmm. This is your internet, right? Your in your internet is your your hub. Yes. So it's our internal communication platform, and it's built on SharePoint.
0: People are either cheered or groaned at that point. There's, there's like a love hate relationship with SharePoint in its <laughs> own <terms> community. <laughs> but we're cheering today, right? Honestly, no. I mean, it
1: does the job for us. Mm-hmm. I think we would like more from a measurement point of view. Mm. And that's a whole nother episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if I, that's, that's a whole nother episode. But um, we set it, you know, we set our hub as a communication site uh, on SharePoint and it's just, it's, it's great. Anyway, I'll, I can tell you all about it, but, uh, but I, I, I digress. So why we created this knowledge network is we wanted to tap into the best first knowledge all around us, right? So we decided to launch a network of, of ambassadors for the hub who would help us um, identify local and, and regional communication opportunities, but also take the hub to the next level and take the hub to our colleagues on the shop floor and, and give us feedback on how we are doing, right? Is, is what we're doing working? Is the content valuable? Is it helping them, right? And, and we go to them to also for them to make suggestions for improvement. It's an open space where, where everybody can share their thoughts and feedback in, in a helpful way. So it's, it's cross-regional. And we have um, um, it's cross-business, so different people from different parts of the, the business. They're dedicated to developing interesting and relevant content to engage employees with our vision and priorities and, of course, promote our culture, which is very, very important. And the purpose is we didn't want to be the ivory tower that just shouts messages, right? We didn't want to communicate to employees. We wanted to communicate with them. And, you know, to go from from regional to to local, but also to go from local to regional to global. And the goals of the network are basically to to share better stories in a better way for effective two-way engagement, but also at the right place and the right time. Because, right, I am based in Luxembourg. My team, Paige and Jeremiah, they're based in, um, in the U.S., But we have many, many facilities, right? And we can't easily go to our facilities. We can't just pop in and out and talk with people. So so we have the Knowledge Network who is helping us, is giving us feedback. And we have regional coordinators. So we have a coordinator in, in each of the region. And then we have local ambassadors. And we have almost in each of our locations. And we meet with them once every two months. And if the situation requires even monthly. And then... Another thing that we're doing, right? So that's that's the, the, the knowledge network, but we do some smaller stuff as well. Even though the, the hub is not accessible to, to our shop floor colleagues, what we're doing for each story, so every time we publish a story or an article, on the right side, we have this prompt, right? We create a print-friendly version and we literally ask our colleagues, please print this story and share it with an employee on the shop floor who does not have an email address or access to the hub. And it's a simple way to to make sure that, hey, have you thought about your colleague that maybe you're having coffee today? Maybe he doesn't have access to the hub or hasn't seen this. It's, it's a two step to just easily print this and, and give it to them.
0: Do they do it? Is that how, how successful is that? I can see that that's a problem and I can see that that's a good solution. What what's your experience of people actually doing it? What's the take up like? So we discovered that, for example,
1: um, things that are more visual mm-hmm. get more downloads. Like like when you do an infographic. We, we recently did an informat- infographic for our, our transformation, for one of our transformations around the value of mobile technology. And it, it got a lot of downloads because it had little icons, it had information. So we try to, to make these things visual.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we also try to, to translate them. Like if we do a story, you know, about one location, let's say in, in Poland, Spain, or Mexico, we try to provide the language version of that story as well so the issue with SharePoint is that it doesn't give us a lot of data for analytics so we have you know it's it's hard to say sometimes we say hey this this thing has been downloaded 200 times it's huge but how what do we benchmark it with
0: sure it's, it's the perennial problem isn't it of, of measurement it, it sounds great but it's like what was the potential there and and what was the cause of action and what was the outcome measurement is We've had many conversations about measurement, haven't we, over the years. <laughs> it is, it is, it's important. It, it, it's super important. Can I just, two, two questions for me there. So number one is, where does it go? So when they print it off, does that go on a, news, on a notice board or does it get handed to people? And then I want to pick up on your point there about languages and ask you about how many languages you're communicating in. So let me ask you where that information goes. If people are printing stories off from the hub, are they physically handing it to each other? So ideally, yes, they would a supervisor would physically hand it to, to his
1: team or a colleague would physically hand it. We also do PowerPoint presentations for the screens in, in the facilities, in the canteens and so on with a summary of the stories, hoping that they will go in and ask their supervisor for more information. And literally anybody can take it and put it on a notice board. Okay. So we we have um, A4 formats and we do A3 formats for certain stories just to facilitate that to
0: put them on the on the notice to so make it massive so you can see it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So can I ask you about languages and how many languages are you communicating in and how do you plan for translation? So
1: it's case by case, right? It's tailored. It's not one approach fits all. And it depends on the the project. Sometimes I think the most we translated to was up to 13 languages. And I think relevant to our discussion was to to go a little bit into um, the operations vision, right? So the operations vision were for our operations floor, for our operators. So we translated that in Arabic, French, German, many, many languages. But also, right, with the Spanish, for example, we had uh, European Spanish, we had Spanish for Mexico, and we had Spanish for la- Latin America, because each has various nuances that it's important that we captured. We were talking about that that shared understanding and making sure that we get it right, because it's not like a Google Translate that we're just going to copy paste in a document.
0: So from an internal comms perspective, that <laughs> has to be planned for, right? That, that kind of an investment. Yes, you know. yes.
1: So if we consider translation for a project we add 2 to 3 weeks. Mm. And what we're doing we have internal proofreaders. So these are these are colleagues of ours who are incredibly helpful. This is not part of their role. We're just, you know, they are we're reaching out to them asking them, "Hey, do you think you have time to 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 look at this translation for us? It's it's for this project." Oh, we love people like that. Yeah, and, and we have some some really great colleagues. And it depends, right? Because, for example, for, let's say, internal talking points about an investment, we would go to someone working in sales and we would ask them to, to dedicate time to, to review that. If we're doing something for our operations team, we would ask someone in, in operations to, to review. So it's not like the same person can proofread uh, multiple documents. And we also look at measurement results. So, for example, we look, because on the hub, we can create pages in multiple languages. And we look, hey, how many people have read this story compared to the English version? If the number is significant, then next time we will translate that story. And we try to write, we're not going to translate every story in every language, but if we do a story about our employees in, in Brazil, right we would want to have a version in 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 portuguese for people to be able to to share or read in in their native language so it's it's multiple factors that that inform a final
0: decision i, I love how thoughtful that is and i can see in adding two or three weeks onto a project it, you need to aware right up front you need to be mindful of this information is so important and so critical for our people at a local level in a language that is perhaps their native tongue then you have to plan for that don't you so i know that you've had changes to deal with um in in your organization as as many organizations have can i shift our conversation just to think about change in particular what have you had to deal with and how have you planned your change communication given everything you've told us about you know the environment and context and languages and and roles of supervisors
1: so it it started in 2019 where we were invited to to help with communication on a very big transformation project at that time. And I developed a a playbook, let's call it a playbook, right? And it had kind of like seven elements. We looked at mapping the stakeholders and our target audience, how we want to communicate the vision, uh, explaining key concepts, right? Because for example, uh, if I take something random like automation, automation can mean one thing for me, it can mean a completely different thing for you. So explaining what we mean by by specific concepts, preparing supervisors to talk about it was, was another important step. One thing for making sure that we update on milestones, right? Because th- this transformation sometimes can, it can take a really long time, keeping people engaged, and keeping people motivated to continue to engage with what is happening can can be tough. So making sure that we celebrate success and then constant updates on milestones were, were part of the, the playbook. And then we envision measurement all throughout. So it's not like you measure at the end, you have to measure throughout to see how you're doing.
0: I am nodding vigorously here, listeners. Yes. <laughs> totally. Do not wait until the end. And then we find out the word transformation didn't make sense at first reference. And six months down the line, guess what? It still doesn't make sense. We need to check right up front. I could not agree with you more. Yeah, I mean, we we should there should not be any
1: discussion about internal communication without measurement. I think that's super important. So as I was saying about our playbook, right, it evolved. This was our very, very first step. I remember at that time, I, I think I did a, a workshop with um, the Institute of Internal Communication. I think I participated in one of your master classes. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, suddenly there was a need in the company, and I, and I was like, okay, I need more information, right? I want to support, but we need more information as a team. So, I did that. And gathering that information, learning more, but also experimenting and getting feedback from our teams, our approach evolved and became a little bit more consistent. So we continue to consider as a first step the the stakeholder mapping and the target audience mapping who, who our stakeholders are. And then communicating vision. This is super important. Once you know who your stakeholders, you need to to align with leadership. What's the vision of the future state? How that's going to look like? What's our change story? We call it change stories, where we're putting us ourselves in the shoes of our audience, and we're asking ourselves what are the questions that our audience are going to have, and explaining that in 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 an article that may, makes sense and anticipates these questions, and of course inviting for more questions. So aligning with leadership, developing the change story, looking at risks, actions, basically build, starting building the communication plan, because the communication plan is going to keep evolving throughout the the transformation. We kept explaining key concepts because, again, shared understanding, very, very important. But then we, we added up reviewing our communication channels. Does what we have is enough or do we need additional communication channels? do they do the work that we need them to do for this specific purpose or not? So this is how we started launching resource centers on the hub. So we have you know, the, the one-stop shop for people to know, hey, I need to know something about this transformation, about this change. Oh, there's a resource center. I know that I'm going to get the most updated information there, I'll go there. And we started setting up knowledge networks Again, having, having ambassadors who can, on one hand, influence adoption, but on the other hand, really taking the time to answer questions from the, from the organization, taking the time to speak with people and be available to those people for if they have questions. So setting up the network, preparing supervisors to talk about it, engaging opinion leaders... This is very, very important when it comes to to change. Because most of the time, opinion leaders, people look up to them, right? People go to them to ask for information. Making sure that they are informed, I think it's it's really important in in the process of change. Then updating on milestones. And as I said, celebrating success, but also measurement all throughout. So instead of a seven-step playbook, it, it evolved a little bit. And of course, there's no such thing as one size fits all. We're not going to apply this change communication approach to all our transformations. Uh, We're going to look at each project, we're going to discuss with the team, and we're going to see, hey, does this make sense to you? If it does make sense, yes. If it doesn't, we adapt.
0: I like the fact you're not starting from scratch every time. I think that's super important, particularly for change. Let's, Let's hope that we're brought in early with plenty of time to plan. when when change is happening or transformation is happening. But if you're not, I can see the value there of having, this is what we do, this is what we know, this is our approach, this is what works, this is what doesn't. And then when change happens, as it inevitably does, I feel like you're on the front foot there that you can just get cracking and actually get get started and and really helping influence the change that's going on and plan, I imagine, in, in a really thorough way. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, Alexandra and I are going to talk about internal communication strategy. See you in a moment. Comms friends, I have a special offer for you. Because you are a listener of my Candid Comms podcast, you can save 10% off my range of online masterclasses. Simply head over to the website All Things I See. Thinkific.com and use the code CANDIDCOMS at the checkout to save 10%. All of my online masterclasses have been designed to support you in various areas in the wonderful world of internal communication. Whether you're just starting out, whether you've got years of experience, whether you're thinking of becoming a comms consultant, or maybe you're about to start a new job. Whatever your situation, there will be an online masterclass. For you, head over to allthingsic.thinkific.com and don't forget to use the code CANDIDCOMS at the checkout to save 10%. And I hope to see you inside one of those masterclasses very soon. Welcome back. In the final part of today's episode, Alexandra and I are going to be diving into the world of internal communication strategy and also. That hot topic of measurement. So, Alexandra, tell me about your internal communication strategy because I know that you've done some amazing work on it. Could you share some insights into the work that you've done? I don't think we can talk about uh, strategy without talking about
1: internal communication audit. And actually, this is, you know, this reminds me of how we met. Because when I joined the company in 2016, I was tasked or I was asked to do the internal communication strategy for Europe and Russia. And I remember I started doing some, some online research and I found your article on how to write an internal communication strategy, which had this infographic with a person with lots of hands.
0: Mm-hmm. And it one. was
1: kind of like explaining what to include in your in your strategy, and this took me to to participating in your strategic communication masterclass in 2016, and introduced me to the CIPR inside communication measurement mm-hmm. matrix, right? Because I think you covered that, if I remember correctly, you covered that in in the mm-hmm. masterclass. So I did our audit, and we looked at channels, content, conversations, voice, sentiment, and behavior. And based on the results, I developed the very first strategy back in 2017. And the vision was to have an informed, engaged, and connected workshop. And I presented to our leadership team four steps. One was advocating for internal communication, having a ear or seat at the table. So being brought in early and often so we can engage and and consult. The second was developing the the IC function that I suggested. And I think that was the very first seed of a knowledge network that we now have for for the hub. So we wanted to to have collaborators in each facility that could inform us, hey, this is what's important for, for our teams over here. And the third step was defining messaging in a timely manner and keeping supervisors informed. And the fourth leg of that strategy was was training for communication skills, providing information packages, and being a trusted advisor to supervisors as well. So that was the very first strategy. In 2019, I repeated the audit. We tried to do it kind of like every three years. So we tried to to do it periodically. And I was pleased to see that that it worked, that there was significant growth across all the indicators, uh, which was fantastic. In 2019, our team in the current format was formed, and we revisited the vision for corporate communication and for internal communication and the strategy. And I think the words we selected for our vision were, were very, very careful, right? We looked at innovatingly use the communication channels to create and maintain meaningful and mutually beneficial relationships. With our audiences so it's a relationship and it needs to be mutually beneficial by providing them with content that is relevant and easily accessible our vision is to create a dialogue and through this dialogue we will establish our position as a preferred partner create measurable value, so measurement <laughs> for the business and learn what our audience's value to further enhance our offering so we set up expectation for the team in terms of strategic leadership by providing clear direction and facilitating contribute to our partner's thinking effectiveness. You set your stall out. <laughs>
0: like everything <Yes>. there. <laughs> I'm listening to that and I'm listening and I, and I know those words and I, and I you know, you you shared those words with me, but hearing you say that, you can just see the impact of, if, if we nail that, you know, if we set our stall out, this is who we are, what we do, how we show up, how we add value then you can measure against it it's so tangible rather than you know a vision has to be a, a, an aspirational statement of intent it has to be far reaching it has to be hopefully inspirational and i love how the words that you've used are so carefully chosen what impact did that make for you as a team ha- having that vision in place well it gave us clarity right mm. we we
1: had clarity in terms of hey what what's going to be the value that we can create for the company and, and it gave us a challenge, right? Because to have mutually beneficial relationships, to have meaning, to have content that is relevant and accessible, it, it's our North Star. I mean, we're not here for us. We're here for the organization. We we are here to serve. We're here to serve our colleagues. We're here to serve this, this organization.
0: And that's so important. We're here to serve. I completely agree with you. It's, about, it's not about us as content creators is about us as curators so we're joining people together we're amplifying their voices it's not about our bylines it's not about how many articles we've, we've written on the internet it's about how many voices have we amplified to create that shared understanding and and shared meaning yeah couldn't agree more with you that can so you you mentioned measurement there can i pick you up on on measurement and ask you How do you measure? What do you do? So given you've got a vision and you've got strategy and you've got all these amazing things in place, how do you know if you're doing a good job? How do you measure? So we have a monthly report that we do. And sometimes we're constrained
1: by resources and we do it every two months. But this is something that we take very seriously. And we list monthly priorities and experiments, giving an overview of various actions we took and what were the results. And we also mark the unexpected events in that month that took us away from our priorities, because that's important as well to to highlight. Uh, We have a chapter dedicated to lesson learned and overall stop, start, continue actions. So looking at what we're going to do, what we're going to stop, what we're going to start or continue based on what the data is telling us. Uh, We have another chapter on upcoming priorities and experiments, so what we're going to focus on in, in the next month or the next two months or in the next three months, and then we go in depth. So quantitative numbers for key corporate communication and content KPI, such as the hub traffic, return visits, visits, views, the amount of content we created, because we wanna see, hey, um, when we count the content, was it too much? Was it too little? Was it relevant? Was it overwhelming for our audience? Should we take a step back? Should we give them more time to to read Um, and so on? Traffic flow. And then we look at live events. So how many people participated? How many questions they asked? How many questions we answered? How did people engage to that? Uh, Resource centers, what was the top content? And as well, internal emails and, and leadership communication. So we draw conclusions from the numbers with overall takeaways and stop, start, continue suggestions for for each category. And roughly every three years, like I mentioned, we try to do an in-depth audit with surveys in multiple languages and focus groups, targeting 20% of our colleagues in terms of the response rate. So we first do the survey, we analyze that, and then we do the focus group, and then we produce a, a report that informs what actions we're going to take until the next
0: audit overall or so on. It's super comprehensive, isn't it? I think the fact that you are not just doing the quantitative, not just doing the surveys, but you're doing the qualitative, you're doing the outcome-focused conversations, you know, so what's happened as a result of all these stories on the hub or our supervisors printing off content and putting it on the notice boards. And that the qualitative is is the gold dust for internal comms for me it's really digging deep through you know focus groups listening exercises to really truly understand what's going on and particularly for uh, an environment in any environment but a manufacturing environment having those avenues in where you're actually creating opportunities for people to have their say and share back their feedback is incredibly useful for us as internal communicators Because then you can make informed decisions in terms of we know what's working, we know what's not, and we know what to do differently. And I love Stop, Start, Continue. You know that. I'm a massive fan of Stop, Start, Continue. It doesn't have to be so wordy and complicated. You know, it has to be whatever you're doing to be measurable has to then be actionable and tangible. So I love the fact that you're using Stop, Start, Continue to really focus in on. So what do we do as a result of what we know? So I'm going to bring our conversation to a close by asking you, as this is the Candid Comms podcast, what does being candid mean to you? It means being genuine,
1: putting your your heart and and soul into something you believe in because you want to help and you want to create value for our colleagues and for the company we we work for, and and it means you know striving every day to be worthy of the trust given to us by our colleagues and and the leadership of our
0: company that's what it means i think that's beautiful love it what a lovely way to end our conversation alexandra thank you so much for your candor today for being open with us and giving us a peek into the wonderful world of manufacturing and the good work that you and the team are doing at guardian industries thank you where can people find you online if they want to look you up Uh, They can find me on LinkedIn. Marvelous. And I'll include a link in the show notes at allthingsisee.com forward slash podcast, which will include the show notes from this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, Alexandra. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, comms friends, for tuning in. As ever, I'd love you to connect with me. You can find me on Twitter at allthingsisee.com look me up on instagram rachel all things i see you can find me on linkedin at rachel miller and you can find all the show notes at things forward slash podcast and happy birthday to the candid comms podcast we have just celebrated our one year birthdays so thank you so much to everyone who tunes in i love hearing from you do let me know what you're taking away from this episode and remember as ever what happens inside is reflected outside See you again soon.